This is episode 118 of Teacher Approved. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there, thanks for joining us today. In today's episode, we're sharing five quick and engaging fluency lessons that you can teach on the fly. We start our episodes with a morning message, just like we used to do at morning meeting in our classrooms. This week's morning message is, if you could have a fictional character as a student, who would it be? Emily, who would be your favorite fictional student? I'd probably pick Rory Gilmore. That's a good one. (laughs) She would be so easy to have in class. Plus, she's like always on top of her assignments and on time and prepared, except if she gets hit by a deer on the way (laughs) to school. But that is not really her fault. We can't hold that over her. No, it happens to the best of us. (laughs) Who would you want as a student? I'm going to go with Hermione. I am holding out hope that maybe she could create a spell that would do all my grading for me. Or If anyone could, <laughs> it would be Hermione. <laughs> Keep all the whiteboard markers from drying out. You know, like she could do a lot. We finally finished book five and we started the movie last night. So oh, the kids are very fun. excited. We had some fun responses from our community. Jeff said, Matilda, she could help students who need behavioral support. (laughs) She does have some unique skills that would be helpful to have around as long as she liked you, didn't use them against the teachers. (laughs) Abby said, any of the boxcar kids or all of them, they are such well-behaved, polite, and clever kids. Or maybe Kirsten from American Girl. She was my favorite and I love her family traditions. And we had a couple responses for characters we weren't familiar with. Jennifer said, Mo LeBeau from Three Times Lucky. Sassy, smart, and kind. <laughs> I don't know that, but I love the name. That's fun to say. And Sarah said, Sydney Sage from Bloodlines by Rachel Meek. She's the definition of teacher's pet. <laughs> I did look that one up. She's works at a vampire school, I think. So Ooh, I'm very exciting. Well, we'd love to have you join the conversation over in our teacher-approved Facebook group. Well, we have been deep diving into all things fluency around here. Yeah, back in episode 113, we talked about what reading fluency is and why it matters. Then in episode 116, we shared the top five most frequent fluency mistakes and what teachers can do instead. And last week in episode 117, we gave suggestions for what teachers can do to help students whose reading progress seems to have maybe hit that mid-year slump. Make sure to go back and check out those episodes if you need some support in how to boost your students' reading fluency. Today, we are wrapping up this discussion on fluency by sharing five easy ways you can teach your students to read more accurately and more smoothly. These are just five types of lessons that we like to use with students, but this is by no means a comprehensive list of all the ways to teach fluency. There are lots of fun suggestions online and in books. But the key to making sure that your fluency practice is effective and not just a time filler is to make sure whatever activity you choose is actually worth doing. The reading fluency guru, Tim Rosinski, we love him so much, says that there are five elements to a quality fluency activity. They are one, make use of quality texts, 
Two, make use of oral reading. Three, offer opportunities for feedback. Four, require repetition. And five, be engaging. The first element of a quality fluency activity is that it uses quality text. So tell us more about that, Heidi. Well, for fluency activities, we want to be sure we are choosing texts that have a strong voice and are meant to be read aloud. Poetry is perfect for this, but we also really love using reader's theater for fluency practice. And of course, narrative passages are great for fluency practice too, as long as they're actually interesting to read. (laughs) Yeah, some of those are real dry. The second element is that quality fluency practice should be done out loud. That component is important because it enables students to hear what good reading sounds like. And bonus, oral reading practice also builds silent reading skills. Oh, it's always a win when practice in one area boosts performance in another area. Yeah, there's not enough of those wins in (laughs) teaching. The next characteristic of a quality fluency activity is that it includes opportunities for feedback. Students should have the chance to reflect on their own fluent reading and how their fluency skills are progressing. And they should also receive feedback from a teacher or other adult frequently. As part of our feedback, we want to help our readers notice what they're doing well and point out areas where they can improve. As we like to say, students can't hit an invisible target. When we make the effort to point out their strengths and help them recognize opportunities for growth, they are more likely to keep doing what they're doing well and to make progress in the areas where they need to grow. Another hallmark of worthwhile fluency practice is that it includes repetition. Now, we're not repeating our practice with the goal of increasing reading rate, though practicing the skills of fluent reading, like phrasing and expression, usually does increase rate. But instead of focusing on increasing rate, the aim of repeated reading should be to provide practice with expression. We want students to read with expression that reflects the text's meaning. This is a good measure of their comprehension. If they can read with appropriate expression, they're showing that they understand the meaning behind the words. And our last element of worthwhile fluency activity is that it's engaging. Nobody wants to repeatedly reread a low-quality, lifeless text, but students are automatically engaged when they get to play with rhythmic texts like poems and songs and chants. Plus, rhythmic texts invite playfulness. Kids practicing with these kinds of texts are naturally going to add liveliness to their reading. Now, this might seem like a tall order to fill. But the good news is that quality fluency lessons are easy to find and don't need to take long. Two to three minute fluency mini lessons are perfect. Since they are so short, though, the key to making fluency mini lessons effective is to do them frequently. A three minute mini lesson once a week is really not going to have much of an impact. Ideally, fluency practice is something that you do every day or almost every day. It's surprising how frequent brief lessons go such a long way in developing fluent readers. And to help you plan your own fluency practice, we have five quality mini lesson ideas that you can keep in your back pocket for any time you need to do a quick fluency lesson on the fly. All of these lessons are designed to target the key skills needed for fluent reading, accuracy, phrasing, expression, and also adequate rate. 
When those skills work together, students are able to read the text with automaticity. Automaticity. (laughs) That's one of my favorite teacher words. Automaticity is the fast, effortless word recognition that comes with a great deal of reading practice. Now, even as a proficient reader, I can't pull up a highly technical document and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about unless I have a lot of time to practice it first. Have you seen Lessons in Chemistry yet? I started it, but I'm not very far. I would not be able to read a paper out loud about a biogenesis without lots of practice. (laughs) Yeah, Elizabeth, we're very disappointed in you. (laughs) And it's the same for our students. She might be disappointed in them. (laughs) No, she would not. Our students can't read fluently unless they can effortlessly read most of the words on the page. So we need to make sure that students have lots of opportunities to add words to their sight word banks. The more words students can recognize automatically, the more fluent their reading will be. One way we like to help students recognize words automatically is using sight word phrases in an activity we call fantastic phrases. For this activity, all you need to do is post a phrase that your students can read. Easy peasy. And any phrase will do. But this is a great opportunity to work in extra practice with grade level high frequency words or content area vocabulary. If you're studying weather, you might use a phrase like precipitation is falling. Or you can keep it simple with a phrase like on the bus. Have students practice reading the phrase smoothly. We don't want any pauses. We don't want any word-by-word reading, you know, that choppy on the bus, none of that. And then repeat the activity with any additional phrases you want students to practice. And you don't need to do a hundred of these at one time. Five to 15, depending on how much time you have, is plenty. You can also let students suggest their own phrases for the class to try. You might want to vet those first. Yeah. (laughs) And this can help students learn to recognize the difference between a phrase and a complete sentence, which is so hard for them to do. Yeah, and that's a handy skill for them to finally master. And now on to our second fluency mini lesson, emphatically speaking. Fluent speakers change the meaning of what they're saying based on the words they choose to emphasize. And fluent reading... Did you notice my (laughs) emphasis there? (laughs) Requires the same skill. So it's important to teach students how to use their voices as tools. In this activity, students are given a sentence. Again, you can use any sentence or work in some of that content area vocabulary you always need to more practice with. Have your students practice the sentence until they can read it smoothly. But don't worry too much about expression at this point. Let's use this sentence as an example. It's been a century since this meeting started. Once the class can read it smoothly, choose one of the words to emphasize. Have students read the sentence again, this time focusing on expression by emphasizing the selected word. We want our readers to understand why this is important. So take a minute to discuss how the emphasis changes the meaning of the sentence. And then you can continue this activity, keep the same sentence, But maybe this time select another word to emphasize. How has the meaning shifted by emphasizing this new word? It's been a century since this meeting started. Or it's been a century since this meeting started. Those sentences have the same words but convey slightly different meanings based on the emphasis. When we emphasize century, we're focusing on how long we've been sitting there. When we emphasize this, we're comparing it to meetings we've had in the past that have not gone as long. It's really subtle and maybe a little tricky, but it's important to recognize the difference in meaning that happens when we emphasize different words. 
And you can see why kids need practice with this skill. (laughs) So as you're doing this as a mini lesson, you can keep practicing with the same sentence until the words that are left maybe don't affect the meaning if you emphasize them. Or you can change up the sentence and keep going with a fresh group of words. It's fun to choose a sentence that's a bit of an accusation, like you weren't asked to go to the store or I didn't tell mom you broke that lamp. Adding emphasis to sentences like that really amps up the drama. I didn't tell mom you broke that lamp. I didn't tell mom you broke that (laughs) lamp. (laughs) And an aspect of fluency that we haven't really talked too much about so far is tone. Yes, it's important for students to recognize that meaning isn't just in the words we say, but also how we say them. When reading, it can be a challenge to understand a character's tone since we aren't hearing them speak. But luckily for us, writers often include clues in the dialogue tags. Dialogue tags are the little additions before or after a quote, like he whispered or Kate begged. These tags tell the reader a lot about the character's feelings, but students often ignore them. So to solve that problem and help students learn to pick up on the information in the dialogue, we have a fun activity called Watch Your Tone. To do this activity with your class, begin with some dialogue that is tagged simply as said. For example, Kylie said, why do I have to be up this early? Then have your students practice reading it smoothly. Again, we're not going to focus on expression too much at this point. Once you're happy with your students' reading of the sentence, swap out said for another way of speaking, such as puzzled. Have students practice reading the sentence in a puzzled voice. Kylie puzzled, why do I have to be up this early? This is the time to focus on expression. How does that clue about Kylie puzzling give you clues about how your voice should sound? Now try the same dialogue another way. Kylie yawned, why do I have to be up this early? Did that change the meaning? What might be going on with Kylie? Talk with your class about how Kylie is saying the same words, but they can have a different meaning each time. Help students see that we can guess at Kylie's feelings by paying attention to those little dialogue tags. And if you have enough time, you can let students generate their own ways of speaking the sentence. You could separate the class into small groups or partners and let them come up with their own dramatic dialogue tag to perform for the class. Hey there, teacher friend. Do you have a question or concern that could use a teacher-proof solution? We'd love to help you out by answering your question here on the podcast. You can submit your questions to hello at secondstorywindow.net and put podcast question in your subject line. Can't wait to hear what's on your mind. So far, the activities we've shared have students practicing fluency at the sentence level, but we also want to extend their skills to longer texts. Choral reading is a wonderful way to boost community in your classroom, and it's a great way to build fluency skills as well. Poetry is our favorite choice for choral reading. We love using poetry to practice fluency because poems are engaging. And also you can find really concise poems. Don't go for the super long ones. Yeah. (laughs) Poetry is just a really easy component to add to your classroom routine. Plus poems can be a lot of fun. Kids are naturally drawn to poems with lots of rhythm and rhyme. Didn't we all grow up loving Shel Silverstein? Oh yeah, I check those out of the library like every week. Yep. (laughs) When we introduce a poem, we like to begin with a model of fluent reading. Depending on the poem you choose, you may be able to find a recording or a video of it. Or if not, 
your voice is always a handy model for fluency. After the students have listened to the poem, take a minute to discuss what's going on in the poem and point out any unfamiliar words. And then you can chorally read the poem as a group. This is an important step because it provides a lot of necessary support for your not-yet-fluent readers. After that, you can have your class perform it. The easiest way to do this is to divide the class in half and have groups alternate lines. You'll want to practice until they can read it fluently and then switch lines and practice again. If time permits, you can break your whole class into smaller groups and maybe even provide some students with solo lines. Ooh, let those future actors and comedians have their moment to shine. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of comedians, that's convenient. That brings us to our fifth fluency lesson, Find the Funny. One of our fluency secret weapons is using jokes. You may not have realized it, but humor depends on phrasing and expression. So jokes and tongue twisters and riddles are the perfect way to practice fluency. To make jokes a teaching tool, make sure to discuss how to tell a joke. Are there words that should be emphasized to highlight a pun? Do students know how to pause before the punchline? To increase the fluency practice, you may want students to develop a list of possible responses for what to say when you're the listener to the joke, such as, I have no idea, or tell me. This back and forth happens naturally in conversation, but doesn't always come naturally to young students. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, Em, let's give this a try. What's a frog's favorite drink? I have no idea. (laughs) Croca-Cola. Oh, (laughs) It's definitely silly, but it's also meaningful fluency practice. The joke teller should emphasize frog in the joke setup and croak in the punchline. That helps the listener make the connection between the two ideas and adds to the humor. Kids don't automatically understand how to tell jokes, which you know all too well. If you've ever had a five-year-old trying to tell you a knock-knock joke, Mm -hmm. (laughs) them just trying to tell you the joke is the funny part. So using the novelty of a joke to practice fluency skills like emphasis and tone will carry over into longer texts. And they will be delighted to get to go home with new jokes that they're good (laughs) at telling. We promise this will inevitably end up high on the list of your students' favorite fluency lessons. So let's recap those five types of quick fluency lessons that you can teach on the fly. We have fantastic phrases where students practice smoothly reading short phrases. Emphatically speaking, where students emphasize different words in a sentence to see how their voice and meaning change. We have watch your tone, which highlights the importance of dialogue tag in conveying meaning. Choral reading helps students build fluency skills with the repeated reading of a poem or a longer text. And of course, everyone's favorite, find the funny, which uses jokes, riddles, and tongue twisters to build fluency skills like phrasing and expression. If these lessons sound like the sort of thing that would benefit your students, but you don't want to have to plan one more lesson, we have good news for you. We have already put these together into daily mini lessons for students in grades first through fourth. We assigned each day of the week its own type of mini lesson and created PowerPoint activities for each day. That means an effective fluency mini lesson for each day of school is already planned and prepped for you. All you need is a computer, access to a PowerPoint or Vimeo, and a projector or smartboard. In just a few minutes a day, your students' fluency skills will soar, and you won't have to spend a single moment planning the lessons. Nope, all you have to do is open and click. And we are not exaggerating when we say that these lessons are a ton of fun. 
superheroes fly in with punctuation, and pirate ships launch cannonballs of dialogue. (laughs) And as exciting as the daily fluency in a flash lessons are, the seasonal ones are over-the-top incredible. Our designer really outdid herself, and she packed in so much detail and so many fun surprises that, like, I will sometimes just go through them by myself without any kids around. (laughs) I know. I know. It's so much fun. You definitely don't want to miss out on these, and we will link to Fluency and Flash in the show notes. So this brings us to the end of our Fluency Deep Dive. For now. (laughs) (laughs) We will always come back to Fluency. We'd love to hear how you practice reading Fluency with your students over in the Teacher Proof Facebook group. Now let's talk about this week's Teacher Approved Tip. Each week, we leave you with a small, actionable tip that you can apply in your classroom today. This week's teacher-approved tip is decide once when you will practice fluency each day. Can you tell us more about this, Emily? Anytime I'm trying to implement a new habit, the biggest key to success is to decide once when I'm going to do that habit. It's even better if I can attach that habit to something else I already do. For example, I could decide that after I brush my teeth in the morning, I'm going to clean my bathroom countertops. Then brushing my teeth will become a trigger for that action that I'm trying to get in the habit of doing. Yeah, pairing things is always a good strategy for me. Yeah, and it's like habit stacking. Yes. I'm always forgetting to take my vitamins, so I finally got smart and made sure to set them near where I eat lunch. That way, when I sit down to eat, they're right there. I don't have to go find them, and I'm reminded right away that I need to take them. Well, this same technique works in your classroom. If you have something you want to incorporate into your daily teaching routines, decide in advance when you're going to do it. If you think, oh, I only need a few minutes, so I'll just see where I can find a few minutes today, then you are far more likely to get busy and forget to do it altogether. Oh, yeah, that's kind of my life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So decide when in your day you're going to do these lessons every day or as many days as you can. Let's be realistic. And then see if you can tie that to another event that already happens every day. Maybe you're going to do the lesson right after the kids come in for morning recess. Or maybe you're going to do it right after the kids wash their hands for lunch. Those actions can serve as your daily reminder to do your fluency mini lesson. One great thing about fluency lessons, the ones we've shared here or the ones in our fluency in a flash resource is that they are so easy to stretch or shrink depending on how much time you have available that day. Plus, we've heard from many teachers that your students will remind you if you forget to do our fluency lessons because they're just so much fun. (laughs) So even better if somebody else will help keep you on track with your new habits. To wrap up the show, we are sharing what we're giving extra credit to this week. Emily, what gets your extra credit? Well, speaking of lessons in chemistry earlier in the episode, (laughs) I'm giving extra credit to the new series on Apple TV. I think it came out right before the holidays, so I didn't get around to watching it until recently. Now, I love the book, so it's always a little scary to see if a movie or a show will capture the book well, but I think they did such a good job. The casting was so perfect. I loved how they handled the character of the dog, 630, because that was is a little tricky yeah. from how it is in the book, but they did it perfectly, I think. I felt like any changes they made from the book made sense for the show, so they didn't really bother me. Whether or not you read the book, you should give the show a try. And then also read the book if you haven't, because I did love the book so much. And if you've already seen this, come tell me in the group what you thought about it. 
I'm only one episode in, but I'm really loving it so far. Oh, you've got a ways to go. But <laughs> on the casting, oh, the casting is just so good. Everyone was perfectly cast. So hurry up so we can talk about yes. it. I'm glad they decided to do it as like a, a series instead of just a one-off movie because I don't think it would have the same impact. No, I totally agree. They should probably with books do more often series than movies. I agree. Because that's what my kids are always complaining about with the Harry Potter movies of they cut this out, they changed that. And it's like, well, that book was like 700 pages. <laughs> so it probably should be a series. Maybe it will be. Okay. What are you giving extra credit to, Heidi? Well, my extra credit also goes to a TV show. Woohoo! Fun that we can finally talk about TV again. Uh, I'm just so excited that Abbott Elementary is finally back. Yeah, All the gold stars. It's just so funny and so clever. I think anyone watching it would enjoy it, but especially if you've been a teacher and like your principal is suddenly talking about all of the district mandates that are going to be implemented yes. and you just like, you feel that in your soul. <laughs> and even though some of the show is like so unrealistic, like the teachers have so oh, much time to stand around talking, out, I don't even care about all of that because there's these parts that are just so spot on and it's just clever and funny and enjoyable to watch. So I will forgive their inaccuracies like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Make plans for short fluency lessons in your schedule and try out the five quick lesson ideas that we shared in this episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast apps so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.